All right. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm here with my faithful and always present co-host, Elliot from Freelance Duck Gun. How you doing tonight, Elliot? I'm doing great. Just got back from the big event. Yeah, just um, great weekend. Rearing to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't feel tired. Yeah. I got I got good sleep. I really did. I got good sleep. That's awesome. So honestly, man, there's been so much going on. I can't remember how much we talked about this before on the podcast or not. Um, like mentioned it beforehand. Yeah, we did. We had one podcast. We talked about it. Yeah, it was the last one. Yeah, Yeah, the last, the last one that just released today. We talked about it. My brain's always scrambled. So I'm like, (laughs) at this time of year, at least. But yeah, we we already gave up people kind of a little, a little tease of what's going on. But, um, we're going to go ahead and share the full story of your whole weekend and your adventures out there in Nebraska. Um, but before we do that, guys, let's get a quick word from our partners and we'll jump into the main meat of the podcast. So first off, I'd like to give the, a big thanks to Onyx. Guys, Onyx is an awesome app for waterfowl hunters. Whether you're freelancing on public land or hunting geese on private land, uh, it's just a great all-around tool. Uh, one thing that I've been using on there um, that I think they've added recently, at least I found it recently, is they have what they call the wind calendar. So if you click on a spot, you can scroll over to the wind calendar. It'll tell you morning, midday, and evening, and then give you like the calendar perspective of that. So um, as waterfowl hunters, wind's super important. So I keep all my pins on there, um, and I'm able to look at the pin, look at the wind direction, look at it, the forecast for it, and it helps me kind of better plan my uh, my hunting weekend. So definitely check them out for all things waterfowl. As our longest running partner is Motion Ducks Decoy Spreader System. The code is DuckGun2020. And I'm going to be talking about, um, this product when I talk about, um, what, what the event that I went on this last week, because I made a catastrophic failure on the first day and didn't bring it and it cost us. And as much as I have talked about it and love this product, I still like a bonehead made the mistake of expecting some other motion water system to be as good as motion ducks and it wasn't and it cost us a limit honestly so i'll be talking about that later this is the best low wind or no matter what wind motion on the water that you can get it's the uh, motion ducks decoy spreader system awesome also like to give give a big thanks to weatherby um weather makes some great waterfowl shotguns l and i both off air been talking about how well we've been shooting with it it just shoulders great man Throw it up there, and bam, I've been just knocking the birds dead with it. Um, it's just it's such a fun gun to shoot. Um, I have the 18i Deluxe 20-gauge waterfowl, slick-looking 20-gauge, and Elliot has the 18i um, waterfowl in 12-gauge. Tw- so they have some some great waterfowl shotguns, and, you know, they're relatively new, uh, that lineup, and, man, they did a, they did a stand-up job on those guns. So definitely check them out, guys. Uh, you won't regret it. As if you cannot get enough content from Duck Hunt Podcast, Duck Hunt Chronicles, Freelance Duck Hunting, and you just want to support what we're doing, you can go to patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. All sorts of bonus extra content over there. So go check it out. See if it's something for you. And also Freelance Hunt Stats. We used it all weekend um, with this kind of get-together um, competition that we did. You just want to journal what you're doing, weather, um um, wind, where you're hunting. I mean, every single detail that you would like to have about um, your hunts recorded. Also, you can connect with friends and have part- partake in the leaderboards, which is really, really fun to do. It's just kind of a casual um, competition we've got going on over there. So you can get that at freelancehuntstats.com or iOS um, or Android. Just search Hunt Stats. Awesome. And, and on, to mention on that Patreon, too, right now we're doing a live podcast. So anytime we're doing one where it's uh, just like a normal standard podcast, we'll throw up that live link and have a, a Patreon audience come in here. And so right now we got um, some of you guys in here. So big thanks to all you Patreons. We definitely appreciate it. Also like to give a big thanks to Rogers and Final Approach. Guys, Final Approach has some awesome waterfowl gear, and they've really, really stepped up the game this year with a lot of their new waterfowl um, items. And, and Ellie and I have both been, been rocking all of that, um, from the waders to the camo, uh, you name it. It's just a one-stop shop for the duck hunter. And they're always running some great deals, too. So check them out, guys. 
And if you're not wearing hearing protection, guys, you've got to start right now. You don't want to lose your hearing. The best one on the market made by an actual, what's the name of a doctor that does ears? I don't know what the actual technical <laughs> term is. Or right, audio. whatever. Like but that. the owner and creator is uh, is a doctor, and he made it. It's just fantastic. They're almost like hearing aids. I have some hearing struggles, and there's times where I can't hear people, and I think about putting it in my Tetris. But canceling <laughs> device is just phenomenal. So check that out. Awesome. All righty. Let's go ahead and jump in today's podcast. All right. So, Elliot, let's set the stage. You guys uh, went out for a weekend in Nebraska. Um, it was you. It was Jake from Chasing Green. Uh, your long lost buddy Aiden from uh, Cherry Creek Outdoors or Freelance Dining, whatever you want to say he's from. But uh, uh, then there was Thomas from Thomas Hoke Hoke Outdoors. I always still want to say Virginia Outdoors. Mm -hmm. He's he's still in my contacts. He called me today. He still comes up as Thomas Virginia Outdoors Unlimited, which is kind of funny <laughs> because I put it in there before. You know, obviously we're good buds now. I just you know you put in his name and first name and last name. But yep. Um, and yeah, I think that's uh. You know, oh, oh, and then Jordan Harvest, and then uh, that rounds off all the important people that are there. No. <laughs> You're missing one of the best. <laughs> you think that wasn't on purpose? <laughs> I know it was. Matt from High Praise Sportsman is the other one to round out the six-man six man group. Yep. We'll go ahead and take it away. Kind of, you know, let's let's hear what happened. All right. Well, as I go, um, even if I'm rambling and you have any questions, stop. And because I'm sure whatever questions pop into your mind are going to be probably the same with the listeners. So this deal was um, Jake's idea. He kind of organized this thing. And his vision was that you get a bunch of YouTube waterfowlers into an area where none of us had hunted. None of us knew the area. None of us had hunted it. And you get them all in the same spot. And you unleash us to see how we fare in that particular area of the country. And the videos are targeted around different tactics and methods that different people use. Jake's from Arkansas, so his tactics and methods may be different than mine from Kansas versus Thomas, who grew up in Virginia. So as the viewer, you can go and look at how each individual goes about breaking down these areas and we also wanted to add a little twist to it is that we made it a little friendly competition um, no prizes no awards no money just a straight out friendly competition that we used freelance hunt stats scoring system to do so we got you're, down you're there glad, uh, you're glad i'm not there because if i was there there would have been nothing friendly about it <laughs> i mean don't get me wrong everyone wanted to win that was a really funny aspect of it um, which i'll get into but the banter after the scout day. So we all get there Thursday, Thursday night. Um, we put three different colored shotgun shells into a bag and we took turns pulling it out. So if you got like, there was two blues, two reds and two whites. So whoever got the two blues were a team. And so it ended up, it actually came out. It's funny. First person picked blue, second red, third white. So after half of the group, there was no partners. But anyway, the, the pairings ended up being, um, Jake, was with Thomas, Aiden was with Jordan, Jordan's Harvest, and then I was with Matt. Um, and so after we after we drew that, then we all kind of went into our. We had this awesome Airbnb where it was actually two townhouses, you know, connected by the middle. So we had two kitchens, six bedrooms. So everyone got their own room, two bathrooms. It was so nice because I know clubs in the past have been a little bit crowded sometimes that we've done, you know. But this was totally spaced out, just wonderful. Anyway, so after we got our partner, we kind of went into our own corners and we went over our scouting um, that we had done, all, obviously all just cyber scouting using OnX. I mean, I spent hours on OnX putting pins. I actually had a progression of this is exactly my order here that I wanted. There's, there's three large reservoirs, four actually four large reservoirs, within an hour of the area um, going every, there was one to the West, one to the North, one to the Northeast, and then one to the East. So they're like spread out just perfectly. And then in my scouting, there was a bunch of little small holes and little, little places that looked more remote and off and off the path. Now we are in the middle of a crazy drought in this state and in Nebraska as well. So that played a big part into it. So I went over with Matt, myself, and we talked about, 
What's our scouting progression going to be? His thoughts, my thoughts, and we came up with a game plan. Now, Matt, one of the reasons I was kind of, I mean, I would have been, I would have had a great time with anyone that I got, but one reason that I liked the idea of being with Matt is he and my hunt style is very, very similar. Um, we love secluded off of the beaten path kind of places. We like getting them in really, really close. And so when I got him drawn, I was really, really happy with that. So we, the, our progression was, our idea was to look for maybe some places that were kind of sleeper holes where we didn't think other people would go out to that looked good, but were off the beaten track. And we both kind of had that idea. And so it worked out, worked out really, really well. Um, on Friday, I can, I can tell you, Jordan, this was one of my favorite days of duck hunting slash scouting. Just the whole day we got up, we got to a place at sun up and then we were just going through this progression from place to place to place to place. And, um, we went about till about one thirty, and it was looking bleak. I mean, these lakes are at the most at 40% full capacity. So you're talking no flooded vegetation, all bare shorelines pretty much. And it just stale, stale birds because there had been in a cold front for a while. And so it was looking really, really poor. And then we finally put the boat on a lake. Cause like I said, we've been checking little, littler holes, hoping to just find something where the ducks were kind of loafing and hiding away. And we put the boat on, on one of the bigger reservoirs and we checked one into the lake. And at this point I was becoming very, very discouraged. I was like, I don't know, man, if, if what's going to happen, there are no ducks around. And so I, I had talked to multiple, um, game wardens or managers of these different lakes and areas, which I've learned from this. One of the big takeaways I've got is do not trust those guys. I, I put way too much stock into audio I can, information I was getting. I can imagine this is probably how your phone call it. Hi guys. I'm Elliot from freelance duck. And I'm sure you know who I am. Um, can you put me on the X? <laughs> not at all. I mean, my questions were about water levels. Um, What's the water levels like this end of the lake? So I made all my pins on Onyx and then I started making phone calls and I took notes of each place. And so my questions were, now there was one guy who was an actual duck hunter that I really, I talked to him for like 20 minutes and I really got into some duck hunting questions with him. And I think that's the reason, well, we didn't find a bunch of mallards that were there because of my phone call with the guy. Cause that guy was like, no, there's nothing here. It's terrible. So I kind of crossed that place off the map. That's where all the mallards were. And so, and the, where we found the, where we found some birds, um, I talked to that manager and he said, yes, this end of the lake, I'm sure has some marshy stuff. The other end of the lake is just completely bare shoreline. It's terrible. And his information was completely opposite. It was like the end of the lake he said had marshy stuff, which was like my number one spot was garbage. And so we were boating to the other side of the lake. This is like, I put my boat on. And the lake that was supposed to be just terrible and dry. And that actually had quite a bit of flooded vegetation. And we kicked up several hundred ducks from the spot. Uh, so here, here's a question on that. So these guys, you think it's like purposeful, that they are purposeful in their misleading of it? Or is it like there's a chance that like maybe they're not great duck hunters or maybe like maybe they manage it, but more it's for deer or other, you know, other things that they're managing it for. Um, and they just don't, they're not in the know as much as they should be. Um, or are they like purposefully misleading you to try to have less people come to their place? I think I'm, I'm a little bit both and both on the place we're at where we found the birds. I think that that guy just didn't know because I had a feeling like he was up at a, he didn't actually spend a lot of time at this place, but kind of oversaw it. And so I think he just didn't know either that or he misspoke. Cause he's like, yeah, this one Creek should be flowing in. And he said, he told me right by where it was. And it was actually the other feeder Creek that was flowing in. So I think maybe he was just maybe confused or didn't know, but the guy where all the mallards were this guy, gosh, I don't know. Cause I talked to him for like 20 minutes and he was so kind and so nice. And he was, I kept saying, all right, this is my last question. He's like, no, no, no. He was like a big duck hunter, but I have, uh, he actually is actively at this place. Cause he said, if you're up here scouting, stop in and say hi to me, all that. There was like, okay, to skip ahead a little bit more, Jake and Thomas, Jake told me that they worked probably 2000 mallards where they were set up. Now these mallards were really skittish and they didn't do very well, but they had mallards working them every single day. And Aiden and Jordan from Jordan's harvest, they hunted the same place too. They both found these ducks 
and um, they, I won't, I won't spoil how they did, but um, they, they were like, yeah, we found a thousand of them. So I'm not sure how there's no way these birds just got there because they were super stale, weird ducks. I don't know how any way, how this guy I talked to didn't know those ducks were there and he hunts that lake. So my guess is he probably, probably was a little bit hedging a bit um, about it. He was a duck hunter and I, I don't know. I don't know. But because of what he told me, we didn't scout that lake. And that's where all of the mallards were. I mean, there was masses of mallards there, but they were just incredibly difficult to hunt. But um, anyway, getting back to the lake we were at, different lake we were at, Matt and I felt great because we found all these birds. But it was like mud flats. It was going to be a messy, muddy hunt, but there was actually resident geese tracks all over the place. There was duck tracks all over the place. It was mostly like teal and gadwalls was what we had seen. But we were just elated that we found birds. I'm like, okay, we can do this. We, I think that, you know, from what I had seen, I thought, man, we may pound them and everyone else may shoot nothing because we had just not seen Jack. Um, So we spent, we got the boat in as far as we could and we spent a good hour just wandering around because it was like this feeder creek coming in with a little bit of flooded vegetation. And then as you go back up the feeder creek, you could see more green. And so we wandered clear back in there. And we actually found this really cool, tiny little hole that a beaver had made. And uh, we decided, well, this isn't exactly where the birds were, but we think we really think it's going to be better cover. It's going to be less muddy. So we were like, all right, this is where we're going to set up. We're totally excited. And there was someone had built a blind on, on the mud flats. Uh, like almost a permanent, semi-permanent blind, and you can see a stick blind. So we thought that there was going to be a lot of people on these flats in the morning. So we're like, we're going to push back in about 300 yards, this little beaver hole, and we felt really, really good about it. Um, and this long section was like bunches of old dried cattails, and and we figured there might be some more holes up there because the, even the ducks we'd been seeing had been kind of working this whole, this whole section. So we got, we took the boat off and this, this area, I'm telling you, Jordan, I don't even know how to describe it. Just the most gorgeous, just a fantastically gorgeous area. So it's like grasslands and hilly with like deep pitted canyons in the hill, but not, I shouldn't say deep, like rugged canyons and almost a little bit arid with a little bit of cactus and stuff. Did did you guys say like what part of the country you're hunting in or no? Um, yeah, we were in Nebraska, but that's, a, that's as much as, as much as I want to divulge to it. Cause I know that like, you can't like, say like, no, I don't want to say the specific South area. or East. No, or I, I don't want to say the specific area. I don't think that's fair to the people there. Um, sure. If okay. I wouldn't do it in my area, I don't want to do it there, but it was just no trees, nice hills with pitted out, not too deep canyons, but just really rugged, fantastically beautiful area. But an area you like, you can't do much with, like you can't even get crop fields there. Cause it's just so rugged and arid, but then down in the valleys, then you'd get crop fields and the valleys where the lake were, the, where the lakes were and stuff. So, uh, Matt and I took the boat off of there and we were like, let's drive around the back of this area where this inflow Creek is and just kind of get another look about it and see what's going on. Cause they were kind of like two ridges where you could look down in this whole, cattaily area just like thick thick like the kind of cattails you can't really walk through thick like really really matted down thick cattails <laughs> those are my kind of cattails that's how that's my hunting style right there <laughs> it's a great hide which is what we how we ended hiding yeah. it's, it's a great yeah. hide um so we got the but a road went kind of right by this little area that's a valley or depression or whatever i'd say probably a mile across and then in between just all matted cattails with some greenery and, and this little feeder Creek. That's like uh shint, not shin thought uh, calf deep top calf deep and water's just going through it and actually flowing in. So we got, we were up on this area looking down in this, and this was up Creek from where we had decided we were going to hunt. And you could just see a little sliver of water, but that was like, I don't know, half mile, three fourths a mile away. And we used the binoculars. I'm like, I think there's a few ducks down in there. Um, so we went around a different side where we got closer to it and we walked down in and we flushed about 70 birds out of this tiny little hole that was in the cattails. And so at that point I was like, we're like, all right, this is where we want to hunt. I mean, 70 bird is, isn't a ton, but it was such a tiny, it was like 15 yards by 40 yards, um, right off the little feeder Creek. It like poured into this hole and there was ma- quite a few mallards in there. Um, we heard some widgeon, some teal, some gadwall, and I assumed 
that, you know, they, these are highly pressured birds. They'd been here for a while that they were really like, this is their safe spot. So I thought decoying them would be like no issue whatsoever. I thought they would just come in and give it up. Um, so that was where we decided that we were going to hunt and so hidden. I mean, we we're like, man, I just can't, and no human sign around it. So it's like, no one knows about this whole, we're just, this is what we're going to take. So we got back to the house and this is the part that was really interesting with the whole group was people trying to feel out the scouting day that the other group had and just the banter of, you know, well, yeah, we, we, we've got the one birds. We're not on the birds. And, and eventually by the end of the night, we kind of started sharing what kind of the lo- the lakes we were hunting to get kind of a feel for, you know, do we have to really fight each other of these spots to get up super early? And people kind of started spilling the beans a little bit about the situations that they had and everything. And, and um, at the end of the night, as far as the competition, I still felt really, really good. I'm, I thought my prediction was we would have our limit within the hour, a mixture of ducks, a lot of, probably a lot of green wings, which the green wings, a three point bird. But, you know, I thought we would probably limit within the hour, get out of there fast and then have this place for day two. Also, that's kind of what I predicted would happen. So we got out there in the morning. We got there pretty early. We, we woke up at, I think, three. So um, just, to, just to stop you real quick. So. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of one thing you mentioned there, point three wing, uh, green wing tails, a three point bird. So guys, if you're curious on all this on hunt stats over there, um, we have that scoring system that we've put together, um, that we just track through the season. Like you said, this is a friendly competition just all season long, but you guys kind of took it one step further with, with the weekend. But if you want to see any of those, like the birds and, and that stuff and all the setup that we have for that, um, you can see it over there on the web freelance duck hunting. We talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, obviously too, but um, or on the apps for Android and Apple. You just search in there for Hunt Stats. The logo is an orange logo with a, a white duck silhouette. So, anyways, you got out there at 3 in the morning. Yeah, and we – so we parked up on, like I told you, there were, like, bluffs on the edge, and you have to down in this place is all those cattails. So we just – there was only one way to walk in there. There was just no way anywhere else. So we sat in the parking lot and just talked for a couple hours. Um, which was re- one of the really things I really enjoyed is I've known Matt for a while and I've, we've been on a couple collabs with him, but just like three days, just like me and Matt hanging out. And I really enjoyed kind of getting to know him at that level. For, and it was, it was really an honor and, and fun to, um, get to hang out with him and talk to him, but wow, an honor. <laughs> well, it was, I mean, you know, it's one of the things about being a YouTube content creator that has been a complete shock to me is the relationships that I have made with all of you guys, you being one of them. It's just like, I never realized that putting out this content was going to create such great friendships and guys that are, you know, in our real life. I mean, do you know anyone in person? How many people do you know in person that you haven't met because of your channel that has the same kind of passion and desire to waterfowl hunt that you do? Um, yeah, not very many, right? Not very many. I've got Aiden, but I mean, you know, so be having this network of other content creators that you can talk to, like you sent a Marco right before this, where you're, we're to the flyways collective, where you were talking about asking questions, like without the connections, you would have no one to talk to about that. You know, we have all these people that are just eaten up with waterfowl hunting as much as we are. And we can talk shop about, you know, the YouTube being a YouTube content, content creator as well. So it's just, yeah, it's an honor to, to be able to spend that kind of time with, guys that are so like-minded um it's just a rare rare opportunity to do to have that peer group um so anyway um and i i had talked to matt and i said i think the only thing that we're gonna that we could struggle with is all these birds come at once because you know if there's a bunch if there's 70 birds in there and they all show up at once then you just you know you're kind of out of luck and so we got down in there and this is where, well, that's stepping ahead a little bit. We got set up and 10 minutes before sunrise. Now we're looking straight up the kind of valley in between the canyons. We're not looking towards the sun because the sun's off to the right. But as far as like film footage, shot cam footage, it's perfect because you're looking into the lit sky. You're looking uh, east into the sky, right? And t- 10 minutes from 10 minutes before shooting time until shooting time, it was like, we were covered 
in birds and not like landing in the decoys, just flock after flock after flock, bombing in and just landing in the decoys. And I'm like, it was spectacular. And wait till you see Matt's video. By the way, these videos are coming out the third week of November. Matt's video, because Matt did day one, um, his video will be coming out on the 14th and mine will come on the 16th of November because I did day two. And so I gave him this footage that I got. I just got the best footage of just flocks, just tipping and just, but it's just silhouettes of them, right? Just right into the decoys. And my first thought is, Oh my gosh, there are so many more ducks in here than we ever thought. And we are just going to crush them. And right at shooting time, cause they would land and we were just not filming. So they weren't just sitting on the water. They would land and then leave, land and then leave. Shooting time, no ducks. It was like all of those ducks that we were trying to hunt pretty much had come in in a 10-minute period between, you know, right up until shooting time. So now we're like 5, 10, 15 minutes after shooting time, and we hadn't even hardly seen anything. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, no, this is going to not be good, not be good. So eventually we started seeing some birds and then when they showed up, it was mostly gadwalls that we would see and they just wouldn't, they wouldn't decoy. They just, and it's not even like they were seeing us, although we did flare a couple of groups cause I don't think we, they were coming back behind us and I think they were seeing us a little bit. Um, but we were, but they just weren't acting like I thought they would act. I thought these birds would see this hole and just boom, just finishing it. I figured it was just a little place where they weren't getting pressure that they had found. They've been there for a while, so they wouldn't be scared. And, and that's just, just not one question for you. Yeah. Was there any, was the wind set up in any way that you could have had the sun more towards your back instead of, well, right, right. It wasn't, but we, we moved around the pond for that reason. So we finally killed, we had a group come in. Because we wasted a couple of groups because we, I mean, Matt and I want to finish birds. Contest or not, we want to finish birds. And they just wouldn't finish. So we started Excuse. we started taking close pass shots. Um, I mean, honestly, <laughs> the, way I, the way I do it in those types of situations is like I'm going to pass up a 25-yard chart, yard shot right over my head because I want well, them finishing. That's just in, more fun. And to that point, and to that point, you thought that you were just going to be able, like when you come into the mindset – of a hunt where you think you're going to shoot your limit and you think the right. birds are all going to be in there, mm -hmm. then that's just what you're waiting for. And then like when you have to kind of scale out, which is, you know, right. the normal standard, especially when you think like we're going to finish birds in our face and shoot limits in an hour. And yep. then all of a sudden it's like, no, well, we're going to have to, <laughs> we're going to have to extend that range a little bit. Yeah. Right. Right. And so the first group, when we realized, you know, the first few groups haven't finished we got Close shots, but not finishing shots. You know, it's like 25 yards coming straight at us over his head. So not, not hard shots at all. And we both dropped one of those each. And those were both gadwalls. And then we had another little group kind of spin off to the side. And I still was like, no, I want to finish these birds. And Matt called the shot. And I'm like, no, no, I want to finish it. I want to finish it. And then we didn't get the shot. And so we're like, okay, from now on, we can just, you get a point. You're like, we can see what's going to happen with these birds. We're going to start taking passing close passion. They weren't far, but some, you know, Close passing shots. If they come within range, we're not going to give them even one circle. We're taking them. Um, and then we had our group kind of flares from behind. So like exactly what you said, there just wasn't much wind. But there was a little bit from our back. So we went ahead and we circled the pond because now the sun was up high enough. Like those cattails were, pervading, were providing good um, shell, uh, shadows. Shadow. Right. So we completely circled the pond and we put the where the ducks were wanting to come from at our back and just sat there. Just like I said, because it wasn't working. And at this point, I realized I didn't bring my motion ducks because I just, it was a steep, I wanted to make my load as light as possible. And Matt's like, I've got one of those, you know, those decoys that like squirt the water out. Yeah. We brought in too many decoys. We had like two and a half dozen decoys and we had one of those things and it just didn't do the job. There was just still, the water was just way too slack. And that's when I realized, I was like, what am I thinking? I knew that the wind was going to be five miles an hour. How many times have I said it? Small spreads and motion ducks, right? And I didn't even follow my advice. Is We should have had six to ten decoys with the motion with the motion ducks. That's the way we should have run it. Now, I don't know how much, how much difference it made. I kind of just feel like it honestly may not have made that much difference because when gadwalls, and I haven't seen it a ton in my life, but I have seen it. When gadwalls get pressured, they can become more difficult to decoy than any other duck. I mean, they just, 
they don't especially wood ducks. That they can become they can become similar to wood ducks to where you know in these type of settings when a wood duck fly, flies by, not in a fantastic wood duck hole where they just barrel in and show you what wonderful decoy birds they are, but in like a normal puddle duck hunt where you don't think it's you know the wood ducks right there. Wood ducks kind of get single minded, you know. I'm sure you've seen wood ducks that are like that. It's like they they know exactly where they want to go and there's nothing you can do to change it. I know you've had to have seen that. Um, but that's how they get the gadwalls do. It's like they don't care. They're just doing their thing. They might circle once, but so anyway. When I've seen it, it's like gadwalls circle like a billion times. Yeah, but they can they can get to the point where they just completely ignore you. I've seen it out. Well, you know that hole, my favorite hole, the ice where we laid on the ice. I've seen it multiple years at that hole where they're in there like crazy, but they will only go and land in the middle and they won't look at you. They won't respond to a call. It's like, and they're flying all day and it's right oh, yeah. to the same spot, right? To the yeah. Same that's spot. just pressured ducks. I right. Mean, that's how we have pressured ducks, like mallards, anything. It's just like when they get super pressured, they're just going to go right where they want to go. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but I think that the, the reason that it le- has left such an impression on me in my life is before I've had those experiences, I always considered gadwalls to be extremely easy to decoy. And then I had to learn some lessons like, holy cow, there are times where gadwalls are be not easy to decoy at all and very smart and very wary. So these birds may have gotten like that. And it might have been motion on the water. We had too many decoys. I didn't bring the um, motion ducks decoy spreader system like a moron. I was just kicking myself for that. And we should have pulled. We made some mistakes. We should have pulled decoys. We had too many out there. When it was that light wind, we should have gone down to spread and just got whatever right around that little that little thing. But anyway, so we did start putting some birds down. Um, and we had a point where I think we were at four birds. And I'm like... I was close to those mud flats where we initially found them. Well, we were probably three fourths of a mile. And I'm like, I am going to walk up this ridge and just go see. Cause I, we hadn't heard any shooting from those mud flats and, and we expected there to be people there. So I thought, well, maybe these birds are just balled up on these mud flats. So I'm going to go and see that way. If we, we, we wouldn't leave and go hunt there that day. Cause it's too far away to get all the gear over there, but we could hunt it on the second day. So I was telling Matt, I was like, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to walk away. I'm going to get 50 yards and something's going to come. We hadn't seen anything for a while. And I got 100 yards, maybe 100, 200 yards. And he had a group of widgeon. Um, they didn't finish, but it was like they came over low. And he shot three times at him, winged one, and, and it was coming right towards where I, George and I were walking. And so um, it's like one of those that sail a couple hundred yards and then just die. And you can tell in the air they're just dead. And so Matt and I, Matt came from, from the hole and I came from where I was walking and we were looking for this bird. And in the next nine minutes, four awesome groups of teal came right into the hole. We hadn't hardly seen any teal. I mean, like boom, 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 four, four groups in a row. I, I've got it all great footage of it on my GoPro. They're just coming and landing. It's like the best decoy birds. Had we been set up there, we would have easily shot between two and six birds, depending on what it, the dogs uh, were doing. Did Matt wound that bird with his twenty-eight gauge? Well, you you tell me. He sailed it and it, and it dropped dead out of the sky. So I I mean I don't know what to think about those kind of shots, but it did go yeah, two hundred yards away or maybe one hundred fifty yards away. But it, when it dropped, it was dead. Yeah, kind of typical for Matt. I feel. <laughs> so I was just so pissed off because I had we hadn't seen anything for a while. I leave and all the best activity period of the entire day happens when I'm not even there. And we really miss, we probably had, I been in the blind, we would have taken second place instead of third. Cause that I spoiler it. We took third place. Um, because if I had been in the blind, you can call it last, but it was last, it was last. <laughs> um, but we would have limited and taken second place. Had we just been in the blind at that time, I probably would have killed. I mean, one. you think about it, there is definitely it's, you know, some bad luck in there for sure. Right. I mean, you know, a couple things first off, on, you know, first thought, it's like you drew Matt, so bad luck there. <laughs> Come on. And then secondly, it's just like, I mean, if it just would have been like a cloudy day or like yep. last, you know, mm-hmm. those birds that all finished right at first light, I mean, they would have been in shooting light and yep. you would have shot your limit in the first hour. Yeah, So absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 we did. We did get some bad luck. Um, we found exactly what we were looking for from the start, a little secluded hole. We had the birds. It was just some bad luck. And then I was out of the blind at the wrong time. And, and so, 
Um, when I went, so we went back over there. I actually jumped a teal off the set and killed one. Um, so the day went on. We ended up with eight birds. Um, I think three gadwalls, a couple widgeon, a couple teal, something like that. Um, I was three, four, or four, four for five on the day. I was just lights out with that weather. I just continue to be. I, I don't know if I've just never had a shotgun that fits me like this. I cannot miss with this weather B-18. I'm telling you, my shooting percentage this year is like 68%. I have never, ever shot this well over this portion of the season. I just, there's times, Jordan, where I pull the trigger. You know, like when you're not looking straight down the barrel of a gun and you know it when you pull the trigger. I've had multiple shots this year where I don't feel like I'm looking straight down the barrel and I just stone it. It's like I could shoot right now with my eyes closed with this thing and kill birds. It's just... Now I'm going to go on a shooting slump, but it's just insane. It's just insane. The what's happening with this weather. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was day one. We ended up with like, I don't know, 24 points. So we got back and Jake's group and Aiden's group, they had been going to the same place. They both found those mallards, um, but they were trying to hunt them on mud flats and kudos to both those groups. Cause this was a heavily hunted lake. Apparently there was like six boat blinds and, the game warden told Jake at the end of the day that no one else except those two groups shot ducks. So Aiden's group and Jake's group were the only two groups on the entire lake that shot a single duck. These ducks were... They didn't have boat blinds, right? Right, because these boat blinds were getting as close to the shore as they could and was just setting up in the water for mallards. That's, for, yeah, that's... With a boat blind, that's so high profile right. when you can't get up to the shoreline. Yeah. It's like you stick out too much. Like, I'm a... I'm on the fence. I've gone back and forth flip flop um, with boat blinds, and um, you know my buddies in Iowa would would uh, definitely want me to love boat blinds. And you're on the other end where you kind of despise them, and um, you know I've had times where I've got mad at them too, and I've had times where I've shot birds out of them. So, but I think that's a recipe when you have when you're trying to put a boat blind on a mud flat. It's like an A frame that's like 16 feet tall. It's just like it's too much. Yeah. Yeah, I, it has to be the right scenario with the right kind of cover to get it done. And these ducks were as man. I just I just realized I'm telling everything that happens on the trip before even the videos come out. So I don't know if that will deter people from watching. Now, hopefully, this will encourage you to watch these videos because they're really going to be fantastic. No, definitely encourage them. I hope so. Um, so, but Aiden Aiden's group ended up shooting their limit. Jake and Thomas were on the X. That they had found. I mean, he. I saw video, Jake showed me a video of one of their scouting day, and it was just filthy with mallards. And they had layout blinds on the bank. And Jake said, and Jake is always like, "Wow, Central Fly," because he's from Arkansas. He's like, "Central Flyway ducks are just easier decoy." And he said he has never even seen ducks that are this hard to decoy. And he said they were working them all day long, and just they couldn't get anything inside of eighty yards. Um, he said, it's just, and they hunted the entire day when they got back, they were just windblown and worn out, but they did end up with eight. Um, I think only two or three of them were mallards. And I think they shot two drakes, two hens. And then what other, other four ducks were like, I think widgeon or I don't know. Um, but they were in mallards all day. They just couldn't get it done. And Thomas is like, that is the most difficult frustrating hunt i've ever been on in my life i mean they just had an absolute day of it um that reminds me of the collab we had two years ago where there was a billion birds on the the refuges and like you could go and sit in an evening evening uh hunt in a marsh and i went and sat in one um with matt actually and um as we walked out i mean hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds just would uh they would just tornado in there. And the same thing when we scouted it, uh, it would be like 10 minutes after shooting light and here they would come like just waves of them, mm -hmm. but they're just so pressured. And so, like, there's just nothing you can do about it. You're going to sit there, you call and they're just going to fly. You know, they're not even going to, they're not even going to turn wing at anything. They're just going to ignore it and go. Right. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, they're just super pressured. So that, that just yeah. reminds me of that same thing. You just yep. get it. You have to have weather. You got to have fresh birds. It doesn't matter what what part of the country you're in. If you have people hunting in, yeah. in any amount of, of force, then it, they're going to get pressured. Well, if they had had the proper cover, I think they could have got it done. But they had they just couldn't they just couldn't find a way to get it done. Where Aiden and Jordan from Jordan's Harvest, they were in a spot where there hadn't been near as many birds, but they worked their butt off to make like a stick blind, 
And um, Jordan came up with the idea because they had their little blind right there. But then he went and set up like lots of sticks. Like he tried to create like a long line of like little willows and sticks. And then he had um, mallard silhouettes, which he had like five dozen mallard silhouettes or two dozen or something. And Aiden felt like that made the huge difference because it was something a little different than these ducks had seen. These ducks had seen spreads forever, um, but not had not seen that particular aspect. So I think Did they that's put what, those up on the mud flat too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, that's a great idea. Right. Yeah, and I, Aiden thought that was the difference. And the thing is, I had everything I needed to make a huge um, Canada goose spread, and I yep. bet you anything that that would have slayed them. Because if we had have found oh, yeah. those birds, I don't know if I had gone that route. It or not, but I guarantee you that those birds had not seen. I was prepared to set up um, three dozen floaters and five dozen silhouettes and socks. I think we would have, and then like four dozen. I was set to go, and had we found those mallards, and we had we been able to do that with the big boat, I think we would have beat it. I think we would have just clubbed them if I had gone that route. Which I don't know. I know on those other mud flats, we were definitely planning on bringing our socks and silhouettes. So I probably would have gone that route. We probably would have pounded them. But A, we were looking for a little tiny secluded spot, mostly. And B, that guy had convinced me <laughs> that there was nothing there. So we didn't even scout the one lake where all the mallards were. But ha- had we just had a little better day, we still would have. Because Jake and Thomas were beating us by two points at the end of day one. So... It, it, it we had to get it had to go just wrong for us to be in last place after day one. And Aiden had like forty seven because they shot their limit. And I think they had five or six drakes, uh, mallard drakes, and then the rest were just a smattering of ducks. So, um, so I won't make it be as long winded on day two. But day two, Matt and I really didn't have a plan B. I was I thought we could get two days out of this whole section from the mud flats to our hole was three fourths of a mile, if not a mile. And there's little pockets holes in between. So I really thought that we could have, we could get two days out of that. And, but when I went and checked those mud flats, cause after that happened where the teal came in, I did go end up going on that walk and there was no, there was like 20 birds on the mud flats. I couldn't believe it. Cause no one had hunted it. the day before at that same time. It was like, there was hundred, 200 birds there. So I was really shocked, which I was like, dang it. Now I don't even know what to do. The next day we had found a little wood duck hole with like 20, 25 wood ducks. Well, not a hole. It was more like a little, State Lake, a very small state lake um, that was remote that you just didn't see many people at. And there was like 10 geese and 20 to 20, 20 to 30 wood ducks in there. And we thought about going to that because you could really rack up some points. I mean, if we had each shot our our wood ducks, that's 30 each. And if we had ended up getting a couple of, or not 30, to a total of 30, and we shot a couple geese and we could be at 40 points and, you know, pretty quickly. But this whole Matt and I were at was such, I mean, you know how much I've talked about like full immersion hunting. This hole was that it was gorgeous place all to ourselves. And so we just wanted to go back there and see what happened. Um, and it didn't, it didn't pan out. We had one widgeon decoy beautifully killed it. Matt jumped a gadwall and killed it. And, um, Georgie actually found a cripple from the day before, which we were able to count that towards our points. So it was just a bad day. Um, Jake and Thomas, Thomas had found a little private beaver pond and, um, they, their hunt from the first day was, was so muddy that their guns weren't working properly. So both of them were using one shooters <laughs> that they had. They said, had they not had one shooters, they would have shot their limit because they had like birds finishing and they would have like one shot and one of Jake or one of them. I can't remember. I think Thomas said he wouldn't shoot very well, but, um, and then Aiden and, Jordan, I think they shot four or five, but they sh- they shot a surf scouter, a, a hen surf scouter. So is that on our? Do we have a point for that one? Yeah, it's five points. And I know like Thomas was like scoffing at them being five points because I guess they were pointing out a lot of our like uh, bias in the pointing system because Thomas like those are trash ducks, they taste terrible, no one wants to kill them. I can't believe they're five, you know. And then like well, Matt, we've never, I've we've never seen one, right? Exactly. That's why it's like we've got to divide these scoring system up into flyways because. For the central flyway and from a lot of the Mississippi flyway, a surf scooter is like, wow, I shot it. Awesome. You know, something I've yeah. never seen. But people on the coast are like, oh, my gosh, that should be two points, you know, um, yep. which like we have hidden canvas back at, at I think, three points. And so we, we looked through the whole scoring system and we're, I definitely saw some things we need to adjust. And I will say the wood duck being five point took a lot of criticism as well. And I was like, Jordan, 
That's Jordan. But I, I did give him your reasoning and defend it a little bit too, because it is so, solid, solid reasoning. You want to review the reasoning on that? Um, you go ahead. Uh, well, because some people, that's like their main target duck. They can only shoot three of them to begin with, so might as well let them have some bit of yeah. a chance. It's, you know? Well, it's, it's a southern thing, right? right? I mean, a lot of the southern states, they hunt that all year long, and it, it's just a limit of three. So they get 15 points in the day, and that's it, right? And their hunt's over. And some people value the wood ducks as much as they do them out. They're a gorgeous, oh, exotic yeah. duck. but Yeah, you're right. Certain parts of the country, if you shoot one, like someone that never has them in their area. I mean, right. they show that like, I mean, it is a beautiful look. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it's the best tasting in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I, I would be more comfortable with it. Valid. A four. I would, I would be more comfortable with it as a four, but I think all those reasons are sound. And anyway, we do need to go back over that. With I, something if it, if it was a, if it was a, uh, a, a duck that had more number, like as far as like you can shoot more today, mm-hmm. then I totally agree. Right. Then, you know, and I'd be like, yeah, it should be like a three or four if you could shoot five of them or something. But hey, let's try shoot three. Let's try kind of to remember this around the time that this podcast posts. Let's post the scoring system at our Facebook group, Fellowship of the Duck Guns, and just get some feedback. It'd be really interesting to see people's thoughts and ideas and feedback on that. And ultimately, we need to go flyway specific because it just makes sense to what people in the central flyway value versus Mississippi versus the coast. So we definitely need to do that. Um at some point, but, um, so anyway, to end it off, um, yeah, Aiden and Jordan, they were in first and then Jake, they, they beat us by, I think two or three points on the second day. So they beat us by, I think five points total. So, and then we, and we were in last, but, um, yeah, Aiden felt pretty, you know what, you know what there needs to be from this, what there needs to be a traveling trophy, right? <laughs> yeah. So you have to bring it to the next event, the the reigning champions like automatic bid yeah. back to the event every year. We would need to check the, the legality of that, I know, because I, I know with like competitions, like we're not there's no cash, no prizes, no nothing. You win and you get it's just nothing competition. but bragging rights. But I if if we did a trophy, I would want to certainly really investigate to make sure how the wording is written. Because I know like that goose competition um, that I went to with Delta where they were giving away prizes. They had to get like lawyers involved to make sure that it was, um, all legal. Yeah. And I, and I mean, we're just like doing it literally with, it's just like with friends, right? Though, you know, right. So, and I, I would just be, I would want to really make sure you don't want to get thumped on some technical. No, you got a trophy that counts as whatever in the wording, you know, this, the wor- right. The wording in these things gets so gray where if someone has, you know, yeah. Well, if it's legal, there needs to be a traveling trophy. Yes. That'd be pretty cool. Yes, it would. Something quirky. Some like, I don't know, like if it was fishing, you could give like the singing fish. You know, something, I, I think it'd be cool to have something that was kind of quirky in nature. No, it needs to be like the Stanley Cup where it's like engraved. With the <laughs> with names? The name yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> but like it's a, instead of like a cup, it's like a, it's either like a coot or a hooded merganser mm-hmm. on the top. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, we would like to do it again next year. It would be fun to expand it to four teams so we could do like a little tourney where day one and the winners match each other and the losers match each you, other. You still have to have a loser bracket, though, right. so the guys can keep up. Yeah, right? so it'd be you, you would either play the second day, you'd either be playing for first, or you'd be playing for third. So, right, it would be. But the whole thing was in the added little competition to it and just seeing how everyone would do things differently. And I almost wonder if Matt and I being partnered together was a little bit to our detriment because both of us are like, yeah, small hidden holes, small little tucked away hidden holes, right? And and Jake's like, Mallards, I got to find Mallards no matter what, you know. And, and, and so... Um, it's probably area specific. and Yeah, but I was thrilled with the place we found. When you see it on, on video, it was... Man, it was cool. It was a cool little cool area. Cool. So I want to go back there when those lakes are full pool. Um, I'm going to go back there when those lakes are full pool because it's quite the area. Awesome. Well, that was a uh, that was a uh, um, a great way to tell the story, Elliot. I'm I'm glad that we made time for this podcast and share that with everybody. I'm super disappointed I didn't get to go on it. Yeah, it just sounds like a a great all around fun time and and uh, you know. A fun little friendly competition, and I'm all about that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. you would have loved it. And actually, the scout day was the funnest day. It was for 
just seeing a new area and trying to find birds. That was my favorite. That was, I had more fun that day than I did. Yeah. Now, if we had like pounded a limit of mallards, I'm sure I'd be like, well, you know, but <laughs> it was just, yeah, the whole thing. You got to make sure and get in on it. Oh, yeah. All righty. Well, any final words before we wrap this sucker up? No, not really. The next adventure is me coming up there and. Actually, I see we have got an email from Michael Saylor right now, our winner of the hunt giveaway. And so we are all meeting up in your neck of the woods here pretty really soon. And oh, so yeah. that'll be the next big event. I'm hoping the weather plays out great, man. I see the forecast for up north is going to be getting cold because um, right now we're in a bad, like if you're coming now, um, I, <laughs> I don't even know what because it'd be pretty, it'd be pretty mediocre. Uh, be less than mediocre, but I think the weather is going to take a turn. We're going to start getting some migration, so I'm getting excited for it. Yeah, though I'm right now Wednesday the ninth. Um, yeah, we got a nice little cold front. Well, I'm looking at South Bend. Nice little goes from 72 to a few days later, a high of 46 with northwest wind 11. So that looks that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to look too. Actually, look one out. of the days it says AM rain slash snow showers. Yeah, that would be awesome. Right, so it looks like if the weather holds like this, I mean, it's going from 72 on a Friday to high of 46 on a Wednesday. That's pretty encouraging. Yeah, yeah. No, it looks like, yeah, it looks like, because, uh, yeah, we're on, yeah, I'm looking. So right now, um, that looks pretty soft. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely is going to, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Yep. Good deal. Hopefully, hopefully the the forecast just shifts a little bit earlier because mm-hmm. right now it might be one of those things where we start off um, and then it gets cold enough like at the end of it. But uh, I don't know. I mean, never it's, know. It's that major drop from sixty three to forty six comes the day before my travel day goes from sixty three to forty six with the northwest. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Good deal. That's perfect. Awesome. All right, fellas. Well, that's all we got for tonight. Thanks again for tuning in for another podcast with us over here at um, Freelance.com. I will remind you guys, I still have the giveaway rolling with our partners over there at Final Approach. Um, so check out that link. It'll be in the show notes. It's on the fellowship. It's on my YouTube channel. It's on YouTube videos. You can't miss it. So um, definitely jump over there and join in on your chance of winning. It's uh, some decoys, some some uh, rigs, a bag. Um, an awesome giveaway over there. But um, without further ado, or I guess that's the wrong words for internet, ending it, but that's all we got for tonight, guys. I'm Jordan Ducking Chronicles, Elliot Freelance Ducking, and we'll see you guys on the next one.